Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. Hey, veggie lovers. I just want to hop on and tell you that there is a free guide available for this episode. You can go to dryami.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com forward slash meatless, M-E-A-T-L-E-S-S, so that you can get the free guide that will give you the whole outline of how to replace meat in your diet, including my own simple, easy recipes and links to other recipes that you can use to easily replace meat in your diet. That's dryami.com forward slash meatless. Again, that's dryami.com forward slash meatless. I really hope that you guys are enjoying these bonus episodes and that you're learning a lot from them. Please give me some feedback and let me know what else you want me to teach you on these extra bonus episodes. All right, thanks for tuning in and have a plantastic day. Hello, hello, veggie lovers. Happy Thursday. I hope everybody is doing fantastic tonight and plantastic. We actually had delicious black bean burgers for dinner tonight. The Minimalist Baker Grillable Black Bean Burgers. They're amazing, which is perfect for tonight's topic, which is replacing meat in your meals. So I hope that this is going to be helpful to a lot of people because I feel like in the United States, Traditionally, we're very accustomed to meat being the center point of meals. So we start the meals, like, what are we going to have tonight? Okay, we're going to have chicken with whatever. We're going to have pork chops with whatever. But whenever you transition to a plant-based diet or you want to start reducing meat in your diet, it might be a little bit difficult to start to think about meals and to think about putting together a menu in a different way. So hopefully this little guide will help you. But first, let me tell you my thoughts on why I think humans crave animal muscle. (laughs) I like to put it that way so that we know what we're talking about. So meat, what is meat? Meat is the muscle from an animal. The reason that we crave animal muscle or really animal products in general, so that includes meat, dairy, and eggs, is because they're calorie dense. So what does that mean? It means that there are more calories in a certain um, weight of food compared to plants, which many of them are calorie dilute. So if you think of the most calorie dilute foods, in the human diet, it's going to be your non-starchy veggies. So think of things like 
lettuce and broccoli and zucchini and things like that, they um, are very dilute in calories. They don't have that many calories per pound of food. So um, usually about 50 to 100 calories per pound. So you can eat a lot of that food and not get many calories from it. In 2020, that's a good thing because we have a lot of access to food. In the past, when humans were evolving, we needed to have access to higher calorie density foods in order to survive long enough to procreate and pass on our genes. So humans have evolved this great method of being able to choose foods that are going to increase our chances of survival. Why is animal muscle more calorie dense than vegetables? Because it has no fiber, it's lower in water content, and it has fat. So even whenever you think of like lean meat per se, even if those of you that hunt and you're talking about how your meat is lean and it's not as fatty as the traditional meat that you would buy in the supermarket, there's still fat inside the muscle cells, intramyocellular lipid. There's fat inside there and that's part of normal physiology. That's part of normal muscle cells. And so no matter how lean your meat is, like if you don't see any fat on the outside of it, there is fat inside of it. So humans evolved a preference for those types of foods because in less amount and less volume, it gave us more calories and more calories increased our chances of survival. Fat is the densest source of calories in the human diet. So especially oils, like concentrated oil, it's just pure fat. It's the densest source of calories. So whenever we get a hold of fat, whenever we get a hold of foods that are denser, then we're going to want to eat those and we've developed a taste for it. So I think that's one reason. The other reason why I think we crave meat is because of how it's prepared. So one of the most popular foods that people talk about and say they could never live without is bacon. But think about bacon, it's cured. It's very salty. And that's one of the methods that's used to preserve the bacon. So a lot of people, when they think about eating meat, they're not thinking about eating just plain old, like they're not just going to go up to an animal and start chomping on it and think that's delicious. At least probably not the majority of people, maybe that there's some out there that would, but I'm not going to speak for everybody. I would say that the majority of people don't want their meat that way. They want salt on it. They want spices on it. And they usually want to eat it along with something else. So you think of meat and potatoes, or you think of like chicken with fettuccine Alfredo. So they're usually eating it along with other things. If I think most people, they wouldn't just want like a plain old block hunk of muscle with nothing else on it. So the preparation, I think, is another reason why we crave um, why we crave animal muscle. So the good news is, is that it's not the meat itself that I think humans like. It's 
the calorie density that it provides and the flavor that it provides. And also probably some of the, the third thing would probably be the texture and the bite to it. Like meat definitely has a certain texture, right? It can be chewy. It doesn't have much like, you know, it doesn't have any fiber in it. So it doesn't have any of that fibrous potential. So the good news is those are all things that we can replicate with plants. So that's why I wanted to kind of point out, what is it that we like about meat? Because a lot of things, a lot of people will say, well, like I miss meat or I crave meat. Well, what is, is it that you miss? And it's probably one of those things or all three of those things. And I think that those are things that we can replicate. So why would we want to decrease our consumption of meat? Well, this month I've been talking about climate change and environmental sustainability. One of the big reasons to decrease our meat consumption, even if you're not willing to go all the way and go 100% plant-based or 100% vegan, is going to be to help our earth. When we raise animals for meat, whether it's in a factory farm or whether they are pasture grazed, they with the production are producing more greenhouse gases than our plant foods. Beef produces 60 times more greenhouse gases than beans, 60 times. That beef is definitely one of the biggest culprits. Now, for some of you, it's, you're going to start having a panic attack thinking you're never going to eat meat again. It doesn't have to be that way. I just want you to maybe consider, to maybe think about what can it be like if we decrease our consumption. So let's just talk about decreasing our consumption <laughs> so that we don't get anybody too anxious. Okay. So that's one of the definite reasons. It's going to decrease um, greenhouse gas production when we choose more plant foods instead of animal products, especially meat. Okay. So that's a big reason. But another thing that I talk about all the time is chronic disease. Okay. So whenever we eat more animal products, this is not new information. This information has been around for a long time. There is so many hundreds of studies that will back this up. The more animal products we consume, the higher risk of chronic disease that we're going to have. In particular, heart disease, heart attack, stroke, diabetes. Even now we're starting to see that things like Alzheimer's, which we thought was just purely genetic and didn't have anything to do with our diet, actually, it's probably a cardiovascular disease of our brain. So changes in our diet, decreasing our consumption of animal products, increasing our consumption of plants is going to decrease our risk of those chronic conditions. And then the other thing is just longevity. So we know from research that the places in the world that have the longest lived populations, people that are living into their 90s and hundreds in great health, they are eating a predominantly plant-based diet. They're not 100% vegan, but they're eating meat rarely. 95% of their calories is coming from plants. That is opposite of the standard American diet where only 6% of our calories are coming from whole plant foods and 64% of our calories are coming from ultra processed foods, okay? So we have a long way to go and all I'm asking you is to consider 
let's start decreasing little by little. But I want you to have options because I know that some of you, you're going to crave that meatiness. You're going to crave some of that calorie density. And when people first think, like if you're not familiar with it and you've just been eating the standard American diet and someone talks to you about eating vegan or eating a plant-based diet, many people just think salads. They think salads and maybe like apples and strawberries, celery, you know, you're thinking of those foods that are very low in calorie density, 100 to maybe 300 calories per pound. That's what you're thinking of. But those foods, even though they're delicious and they're health promoting, if that's all you eat, you are going to be very hungry. You're not going to have energy because you're diet's going to be too low in calories and it's going to be probably too sudden of a change. And then you're going to be like, well, it doesn't work for me. I can't do it. So I want you to have options. So I'm going to give you a lesson on different ways that you can replace meat in your meals. And I'm going to break it down by whole foods, minimally processed foods, and then moderately and more ultra-processed foods that you can include in your diet. But before I talk about that, I just want to invite you to be adventurous. One of the things that was very liberating for me whenever I transitioned to a plant-based diet was I just suddenly wasn't afraid of cooking anymore. Like it just felt like it was all exploration. I allowed myself to make mistakes and really most of the time, the things that can go bad, it isn't, it doesn't go that wrong. Okay. So don't be afraid, just get in there and try new things, be creative and have fun. So that's what I'm inviting you to consider doing when it comes to playing around with plant food. You're going to have to just shift your paradigm instead of thinking, okay, tonight we're going to have chicken with broccoli and mashed potatoes. Think about cuisines. Tonight, we're going to have Mexican food, okay? So what kind of food would I like to have? Okay, well, I want to have tacos tonight, okay? Well, what am I going to put in the tacos? And so think about it that way. Think about cuisines or flavors. What kind of flavors do you want? Well, tonight, I want something creamy. Well, maybe that is a plant-based vegan Alfredo, or maybe it's going to be a cream of broccoli soup, something like that. So think differently about your meals. All right, so let's start with the lesson a simple guide to replacing meat in your meals. So number one, whole foods, the winner, which is my favorite, is beans. Okay. Beans are amazing. I know I I am very biased, but I think beans are the best. And when it comes to replacing meat for whole foods, beans is going to be the winner. The really great thing about beans is that they actually don't have much flavor. They're pretty mild in flavor. So whenever, especially when you cook beans yourself and you don't add salt, it's a perfect canvas to layer flavors on top of. If you buy canned beans, which is completely fine, sometimes you may want to rinse them depending on what you're going to do in the recipe or if you need to decrease your salt consumption. But besides that, they're not going to have much flavor. And it's easy to play around with seasonings and different methods of preparing them. Some of my favorite are garbanzo beans, also known as chickpeas, pinto beans, and lentils are amazing. So 
it, with each one of these sections, I'm going to talk about some of the ways that I like to cook with these ingredients. And just like I said at the beginning, one of my favorite things are veggie burgers. And I love the Minimalist Baker Grillable Black Bean Burgers. And the other one that I love, which I have a video on veggiefitkids.com, or you can look at my YouTube channel, Veggie Doctor TV, is the Sneaky Chickpea Burgers by Drina Burton. She also has that available on her website, uh, plantpoweredkitchen.com, or I think you can find it at drinaburton.com too. But these use um, chickpeas and carrots and bell pepper and garlic, tomato paste. So all of these yummy ingredients that you can mold together into a nice burger. Also, I'm going to have a little uh, downloadable PDF, which will be available next week when this goes up on the podcast that you guys can download if you want links to all of these different recipes. The other recipe that she has, which is perfect for Thanksgiving, is the No Foo Love Loaf, which uses brown or green lentils. So this is a recipe where lentils are highlighted. They're one of the main ingredients to make this meat loaf. It's not really a meat loaf. It uses lentils, but lentils you can use whenever you're making tacos. I mean, they're so versatile. Beans are incredibly versatile. And in the handout that's going to be available next week, I'm going to have a link to the formula for making perfect veggie burgers. And it'll give you like a little, um, guideline of different ingredients you can put together to make up your own veggie burgers, including beans. So beans are great. Fantastic. The next whole foods ingredient that's really great. And you may not expect me to say this to replace meat is grains, whole grains. I know that sounds weird, but the reason that whole grains can replicate meat in some recipes is because of the texture. They have a chewy texture. And you can put them into chilies and stews and loaves, like the lentil loaf, things like that. Also has grains in it. And those ingredients together, it's like it fools your palate into thinking that you're eating something meaty because it has a nice bite to it. It's got a chewy texture. Barley is a great ingredient to use. I love putting barley in my vegan chili. I love the texture of that. And it almost feels like you're having ground beef in your chili. So that's something you can play around with. And I'll put a link to a recipe with a vegan slow cooker chili with barley. The next whole food is nuts. Why do nuts work is because they're higher in fat. So whenever you add nuts to some of these recipes, they're higher in fat, but they also have a bite to them as well. They're more chewy and they can be used along with beans, grains, or even starchy vegetables such as potatoes. You can add them to veggie burgers. You can add them when making things like uh, lentil tacos, which I'm going to provide a link for you to. Um, and so walnuts are great. You can use all kinds of different nuts whenever you're trying to replicate meat and along with other ingredients as well. 
Another one that a lot of people probably know about is mushrooms. So mushrooms have long been known for being able to replicate meat in many different recipes. They are chewy, they are moist, and they also absorb flavor. So whenever you prepare them well, you can marinate mushrooms and they just have a great flavor. Portobello's, portobello mushrooms are a really great ingredient. You probably see them in restaurants sometimes replacing burgers and it's super simple. So you get your portobello mushroom caps, you take the stem off, you make sure you clean the gills and you make a simple marinade. So one that I use is garlic cloves, balsamic vinegar, soy sauce, and either uh, dry white wine or even veggie broth. You mix those ingredients together. You marinate your mushroom until it soaks up all the flavors for about half an hour. And then you can grill your portobello mushroom out on the grill or in your pan, or you can even bake it. And it's just really delicious. Can also, of course, saute mushrooms like shiitake mushrooms are amazing that you can put inside other recipes, make fajitas with them. So those are really good ingredients as well. One that's becoming more popular in the plant-based vegan community, which you may or may not have heard of, is called jackfruit. So jackfruit is actually an Asian vegetable and it is used to replicate most commonly pulled pork. You can actually find it even here in my smaller town of Yakima, but in bigger towns, you can find it all over the place. I've never tried to make jackfruit from the whole vegetable, like the whole fruit and take it apart myself. I, I hear that you can eat it in two different ways. You can eat it when it's fresh and it can taste um, almost sweet and mild, but you can also use it in this way where you marinate it. But you can find it canned and you can find it packaged um, in the cooler section and you can make uh, barbecue sandwiches and tacos and those kinds of things. Now I'm going to put a link to a recipe from Minimalist Baker, barbecue jackfruit sandwiches with avocado slaw, which sounds delicious. So that's definitely a more popular ingredient that you will see more and more. And then other vegetables. So whenever you're starting to play around with these different foods, you have to think outside of the box. And one of the things that I was very skeptical about, but is actually amazing, is carrot dogs. So using whole carrots that are marinated, and then you can grill them or cook them like hot dogs. And I'm not kidding you. It tastes like hot dogs. It's amazing, but better, like better than hot dogs, but like hot dogs. I can't even explain it. You're going to have to try it. I will definitely put a link to a recipe that I've used before on hot dogs. But another thing that I recently saw that I haven't even tried yet, but I'm going to try soon and I will post it on social media is smoked carrot bacon. So taking the carrot slicing it thin or using like a mandolin to have like thin slices, marinating it, and then baking it like bacon. Um, and it looks amazing. 
So you can use all kinds of vegetables. Carrots are one of the things, but some people even make cauliflower into steak. So they slice the head of the cauliflower so that you have kind of like steak-like pieces of cauliflower, marinate it, and then bake it. So there's all kinds of creative things that you can do to use vegetables as the centerpiece of your meal. Okay, so those are the whole food options, which I hope gave you lots of different ideas with how to use plants to replicate that meatiness that you're after. And remember, seasoning is very important. So pay attention to your seasoning. Something that I use often is smoked paprika, onion powder, garlic powder, you know, these, and of course, soy sauce or salt, these flavors together help transform that plant food into something that your palate is craving, you know, that, that flavor plus the chewiness, the bite, and then you're going to feel satisfied from that. Okay, minimally processed ingredients. The first one is tempeh. So that is spelled T-E-M-P-E-H, but it's pronounced tempeh. So tempeh and then also tofu, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. These are ingredients that seem kind of like new age and crunchy and those kinds of things, but these have actually been around for a long time. So tempeh originated in Indonesia and it has been used since at least 1815, maybe earlier. The earliest reference to tempeh was in 1815. So what is tempeh? Tempeh is whole soybeans or a mixture of soybeans and grains that have been fermented and pressed into cakes, okay? So it's made by taking these whole soybeans, they're softened, and then they add culture starter, which is a fungus. It's called Rhizopus oligosporus, and I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, and then they ferment it. Because it is a fermented product, fermented with a fungus, it's normal for it to have some white or black spots on it. So whenever you first buy tempeh and you're like, oh my God, this looks and smells funny, that's what it's supposed to smell like. It's fermented, so it has a mild ammonia smell. It's an acquired taste. It took me a while. And I still, it's not my favorite still, but I don't love sour things in general. So if you know that you're not a sour lover, it's going to take a while to acquire this taste. If you love sour things, you're probably going to love tempeh. But what is great about tempeh is that you can use it all sorts of ways in recipes. And one of the recipes that I have that I wanted to talk to you guys about is smoky tempeh bacon. So whenever you get the tempeh, usually it comes in a package and it's vacuum sealed in the refrigerated section. This is a refrigerated product. You can steam it first for 15 minutes, then slice it into strips and then marinate it. So the marinade that I use uses garlic powder, uh, tamari or soy sauce, liquid smoke, really nice ingredient to use when you're trying to replicate the flavor of bacon maple syrup and onion powder or onion granules, marinate that, and then you bake it after you marinate for about two hours or overnight, or you can pan fry it. So that's one way you can use tempeh, but tempeh you can use in sandwiches and all kinds of different ways. And I will have links to that available for you. Tofu, also known as bean curd, is made by coagulating soy milk and pressing it into blocks. 
It originated in the Han Dynasty over 2,000 years ago. Tofu is old. It's been around a long time. And it can come in soft, firm, or extra firm. And it has a very subtle flavor. There's definitely some people that don't like the flavor of soy. And so they're not going to like it. But most of the time, you can kind of treat that, that block of tofu as a blank canvas. You usually aren't just going to eat it plain like that. Like the only time I think about whenever you do that is when you put it in miso soup, but it goes well with that because the soup is really salty. But most of the time when you're going to be working with tofu, you're going to season it and just kind of treat it like chicken. Okay. You know, chicken doesn't have a flavor, so you have to season it first in order to cook it. So that's the way I want you to think about tofu as well. Um, so you can use it in savory dishes and sweet dishes too, but of course we're talking about replacing meat. So we're probably going to be using it in savory dishes. And one good thing about tofu is because they use calcium sulfate or calcium chloride to coagulate it. It is actually high in calcium. Now, when it comes to tofu and tempeh, some people, if they have some trouble digesting soy, they can tolerate tempeh because it's kind of pre-digested by the the cultures by the fungus in it. For some people, tofu may cause them a little bit more gas, but it's also something that you will adapt to if you eat it more. So just start with a small amount and then you can work up from there. Uh, tofu, I love making um, baked tofu. And what I do is I get extra firm tofu, I slice it up or I um, dice it into cubes. And similar to the tempeh, I take tamari or soy sauce, water, garlic powder, and liquid smoke, mix it all together, marinate the tofu, and then bake it. I love to air fry it. In my air fryer, it's great. Another tip with tofu, if you want to make it even firmer and you want to have more of a chewy texture to it, is I get my entire container of the tofu and I freeze it. And then when I'm ready to make my recipe that day, I thaw it, I drain all the water out, I press it. So you have to drain the water out and then it has even chewier of a texture. So that's something you can play around with as well. Okay. So those are the minimally, minimally processed tempeh and tofu, but probably you've seen them before. This is how you can start to work with them. Okay, so more processed ingredients. The first one is called seitan, seitan, not Satan, seitan. <laughs> so that's spelled S-E-I-T-A-N. So this has also been around a really long time. So what is seitan made out of? It is vital wheat gluten. So the reason it's more processed is because it is basically the more glutinous part of wheat that has been extracted from the flour, the wheat flour. Okay. And you can actually do this yourself at home. It doesn't require a factory to do it. However, it is more time intensive. It is more labor intensive. And most of the time people are going to buy their uh, seitan at the store, but you can make it at home. And there are, I've made it before at home. I took a really intensive cooking class, plant-based cooking class, and I learned how to make it. But it's not something that I would make again just because I'm kind of lazy and I it's not my favorite ingredient, but some people really like it. What's great about it is that 
the texture is amazing because it is the glutinous part of the wheat. It's very, very chewy and you can use it to replicate meat super easily in sandwiches and burgers in all kinds of different ways. Now, seitan is very old. It originated in China in the sixth century among Buddhists. Okay. And the word is of Japanese origin and was coined in 1961. So in the handout that I'm going to have available next week, I have a link to 19 seitan recipes that you will love. They look amazing. Okay. And then the last ingredient I wanted to talk about was textured vegetable protein. So even if you just hear the, the term, you know that it's more processed. So textured vegetable protein is ultra processed. You can only make it in a factory. Okay. So this is not something that you're going to be able to make at home. It is essentially defatted soy flour. Oh, and the abbreviation, just so you know, is TVP. And you can buy it in bulk usually in the bulk section in health food stores. You can get it here in my town, Yakima as well, but it's called TVP. So basically it is a byproduct of soybean oil production. So when they're extracting the oil from soybeans, they have the leftover soy flour. And then what they do is they dry it in chunks, curls, or small pieces. And it has no flavor, no seasoning, nothing. Basically it's just the leftover part of the soybean, the soy flour, and you have to reconstitute it with water, season it, and then cook it. It does have a really great texture. One very popular product is called soy curls, which are super yummy. You can buy them. You can't buy them here in Yakima. I've never found them here, but you can order them online. And what you do is you get, they're dried and you put them in warm water. Then they expand, they get the water, they expand, and then you season them and then you cook them. Um, and I'm going to post two links, one for TVP tacos that you can make and soy curl mac and cheese by JL Fields. So that is your primer on replacing meat in your meals. I hope that that was helpful and I hope that you will download the little handout next week and be able to use it in your recipes. And, um, yeah, so that is what I have to say about replacing meat. Don't be afraid. Get in the kitchen, play around, play around with all different kinds of vegetables and mushrooms and different kinds of beans. Don't be afraid. Just try it. What's the worst that can happen? The good news is most of these ingredients are pretty inexpensive. So if you mess up, it's not too big of a loss and they're not going to give you E. coli or salmonella, which is another reason why I became more adventurous in the kitchen when I stopped cooking with meat. So I hope that was helpful and I hope that gives you lots of great ideas and I look forward to seeing all the different things and recipes that you come up with and I hope that you all have a very plantastic day. Thanks for stopping by. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. 
Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.